Hello, Mel. Hello, Holly. We're witch murderer. We are witch murderer. And yeah, you never want to be in a situation where you're with a group of people and you're deciding who you're going to eat. <laughs> this week's episode is divorce murders. <laughs> you mean you mean evidence for our future trials? Yes. Yes. However, unlike the first two victims, Virginia's body was melted to make soap. What? Why? Witch Murderer is hosted by Spreaker. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Email us at witchmurderer at gmail.com or visit our website at witchmurderer.com. We are also on Instagram and Twitter. Just look for the at witchmurderer account or hashtag. On our Facebook page and group interacting with other listeners or the Witch Murderer team. Are you looking for a bespoke spooky experience with the best ghost events company in Scotland? Then why not make contact with the Scottish Ghost Company, who have over 80 years of experience in the field of paranormal research and ghost tours. Whether you're interested in a bespoke ghost hunting event or a ghost story walk, the team will make this quite the experience for you. Find out more at thescottishghostcompany.co.uk. All details are in the description below. Welcome or welcome back to Scottish and Scared. I'm Stephanie and I will be telling you some strange and unusual tales from the place I call home, Scotland. Before we get into it, I would like to ask everyone listening to send in their strange or unusual experiences. They do not have to have taken place here in Scotland or even relate to it. If you have any requests for future episodes or you just fancy a wee gab, then please do not hesitate to get in touch. You can send us an email at scottishandscared at gmail.com and you can also follow us on Instagram at scottishandscaredpod. Lastly, if you wouldn't mind, please rate, review and share the show wherever you may be listening to it. It really helps us out a bunch and a massive thank you to everybody who already has. Now let's get into it. Why hello there lovelies. I am so happy to be back. I took a couple of weeks off to just do a wee bit of life admin and then a couple of weeks turned into four. I won't bore you with why but I'm just happy to be back and to share some things with you. Before I get into anything too Scottishy or too scary there are a few things that I want to talk about. The first being a clothing brand that I have been loving at the moment. The brand is called Corpus Clothing and the reason they stood out to me and I vied with them so much is because they are one of, if not the only, clothing brand that are inspired by the paranormal. They are also very passionate about bringing awareness to mental health and if you know me, you will know that that is something I am a very big advocate for. They really want to encourage people to open up about their mental health and try to break down the stigma surrounding it. Considering the past couple of years that everyone has had with the pandemic and lockdowns, I feel like this is very, very important Um, and I feel like most people could probably relate to this. I know that I struggled with it a lot. As well as that, 10% of their profits go directly to mental health and suicide prevention charities, which I think is awesome. I myself bought a few things yesterday morning and they have been kind enough to give me a discount code for you lovely people if you wish to purchase anything from their online store. The code is Scottish and Scared, all uppercase, no spaces, and you will receive 20% off your order. I will link everything in the episode description for you, their website, all their socials and the code will all be there for you. So please go have a wee look purchase something if it tickles your fancy, give them a follow and share their stuff if you can, it would be massively appreciated. I'd like to just say a massive thank you to them for reaching out and I am very excited to be working with them in the future. 
We have kind of been going back and forth about some merch ideas for the show. Nothing is fully set in stone yet, but as soon as it's all finalised, I will let you know all the details. I have seen a mock-up of the design and I'm super excited about it, so I hope that all of you will be too. Uh, So just keep your eyes peeled for that. So another thing that I want to quickly mention is that I am thinking about starting a Patreon You can let me know if that's something that you'd be interested in, but the reason that I'm thinking about it is because I really want to get a space that is solely dedicated to this podcast. At the moment, I'm doing it from my home, which isn't ideal when you're thinking about getting guests on. I know you can do it virtually, but I would much rather sit in person with somebody and have a conversation. So yeah, I really want to do that and I'm just not able to do that at this moment in time. Another reason is because I'm going to be travelling a lot this year um, and next year and I really want to do some travel vlogs because a lot of the places that I'm travelling to are here in Scotland and obviously this podcast is about Scotland. So if you are interested in seeing travel vlogs from me then you can let me know because those are something that I would really like to do. I'm also thinking about doing tattoo vlogs because I get so many questions about my tattoos. I get asked to see pictures of some of them. I just get so many questions relating to them that I just thought that I would be able to do a wee bit more tattoo content over there. I don't think that this podcast is related to that, so I think it would be a bit strange to start doing tattoo content. Um, So yeah, I would like to do that over there as well. I have a list of things that I would like to do over there, um, as well as like bonus episodes, Q&A videos, stuff like that. Um, So yeah, you can let me know if that's something that any of you would be interested in doing. If not, then don't worry about it, you don't have to. It was just something that I was kind of throwing around and would like to just get a wee bit of feedback on. So please let me know about that. One more thing that I would like to quickly mention before we move on is a massive thank you to everybody that's got in touch the past couple of weeks. I've had a lot of emails from people, I've had a lot of stories from people, I've had a lot of DMs from people, all very positive. Um, I'll be honest, I don't really get a lot of negative, which I'm really thankful about. I have had a few things that weren't related to the podcast, they were related to my personal views on things which I won't talk about on here because it's not relevant, I'm not going to give people the time of day but I am very grateful that I don't get a lot of negative, it seems to just be positive um, so far, so far, I'll say so far but yeah massive thank you to all of you because like I said like if I'm having a tough time or I'm down or I'm just really busy with life and I can't do what I want to do. Just getting messages from you is really helpful, makes me feel a lot better. So thank you to you and forever grateful. And so with all that said and done, why don't we just get right on into the weird stuff. So in today's episode, I am going to be talking about more creatures from Scottish mythology or folklore, whatever you prefer. And you will be surprised to hear that there are no water-dwelling ones in this week's for a change. So my thalassophobia can take a wee break this week. Just getting right on into it, first up we have the cat she. Which if you remember, I talked about the Kushi a couple of episodes ago. Well, this is kind of the cat counterpart to that creature. And this creature can be found haunting the Scottish Highlands, but it is not strictly connected to Scottish folklore. It can also be found in Irish folklore. As the name suggests, the cat she takes the form of a large black cat with a white spot on its chest. 
it's said to be a fairy-like creature, but it's, but it's also been known to be the cat form of a witch who has the ability to turn into a cat nine times, which, if you're familiar, is where the famous cats have nine lives old wives' tale comes from. People believe that the witch could go back and forth with ease, but only nine times. If she chose to turn back into her cat form on the ninth turn, then she would have to remain in her cat form for the rest of her life. So I find this really interesting because um, I'm not saying that my cat is a witch, but what I'm saying is, if you've got a cat, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. They seem to just be very aware and conscious in a way that like a dog isn't. Like The way that they look at you is as though a human being is looking at you and judging you. They're very judgy animals. And like they have the personalities of people if that makes any sense. Like, I know for a fact my cat is a bitch. She was probably a bitch in a previous life. She is very moody. She's sassy. She's cheeky. She has an attitude problem. Um, so yeah, she's kind of like me in cat form. So I can fully believe that she used to be a witch. And now she's living in my flat. She gets fed. She gets watered. She gets catnip. She's living her best life. But the cat, she is an entity that is not to be trusted no matter how friendly or fuzzy, as their calling in life was to steal the souls of the dead before the gods could claim them. They would do this by walking over the bodies of the dead, and this is why they held late wakes. These wakes were basically watches where someone would have to stay with the body to make sure that the cat she couldn't get near it and claim the soul. They kept the creature away by scaring it, giving it catnip, giving it riddles to solve, and playing very loud music. The body was also stored in a very cold room with no fire as the cat she was said to love heat. And that was another thing that I found interesting because uh, in my family anyway, when somebody dies, when somebody passes away, we do this thing where the body is brought to that person's home and it stays there overnight until the funeral the next day. But I know that's not just exclusively to my family, That is, I think it's a Catholic thing. I might be absolutely wrong with that but in my family we do a lot of things like we cover mirrors when we bring the dead home uh, all the women stay overnight with the body there's no men I don't know if that's another thing that's catholic but that's I'm not catholic but my family are catholic but that's just a thing that we do in our family uh, so I was kind of thinking is that why people stay overnight with the bodies is to kind of not because of the catchy but just to make sure like to keep evil entities and stuff away. The cat she has also been linked to Samhain which is the Celtic festival marking the end of harvest and the beginning of winter. Some people call it Halloween. It's technically not Halloween but it is kind of the originator of Halloween. There are tales of the cat she visiting people's houses during the festival. Anyone who had left out a wee saucer of milk would be blessed and those who did not would be cursed causing their crops to fail and their cows udders to dry up. So yeah a lovely wee cat. There's also a demonic version of the cat she, which I'm not going to fully dive into because I do have it in a separate episode coming up um, because I actually didn't know that they were related. I thought they were completely separate beings, but they're actually related. And basically this demon is known as Big Ears and it can be summoned to grant wishes, but the ritual is pretty grim. It's pretty messed up. Uh, it consisted of burning the bodies of cats for four days and four nights, which I cannot actually imagine the smell of having burning cats 
for four days and four nights. Like, it just gives me, like, horror movie vibes. Like, you know when, and, like, Evil Dead, when they go into the basement and there's, like, hanging cats from the ceiling, all dead, upside down. It's, like, it kind of gives me those kind of vibes and they just, it's it's quite eerie. The smell, I can't believe what the smell would be like. But a wee folktale that I managed to find on the cat she goes like this. One day, a farmer was returning home from a long shift in the field when he walked up on a strange funeral procession. The reason that it was so strange was because there were eight cats carrying the coffin, which was covered with a royal shield. Behind the coffin were a crowd of cats who were all singing and chanting that the king of the cats was dead. Shockingly, when the farmer seen this, he wasn't afraid, he wasn't scared, he was just very, very curious as to what he was actually witnessing. One of the cats turned to the farmer and told him to tell Tom Tildrum that Tim Toldrum is dead and then they all kind of walked off and left him. So the farmer ran home and when he eventually made it home, he sat down to tell his wife all about this crazy encounter that he'd had. But as he was telling her this story, their house cat sat up from its slumber and said, Old Tim is dead then I must be king. The cat then stood up and walked out of the house and was never seen again. So yeah, just a wee fun story there. I'm sorry to tell you, but if my cat stood up on two legs and spoke, I'm pretty sure that I would section myself and fully believe that I'm having a mental breakdown. But there you go, that is the tale of the cat she. If you have any stories about the cat she that I've missed, then please send them on in. Moving on, we find ourselves in the city of Dundee. If you've ever been to Dundee or you are from Dundee, you might actually already be aware of this one. But if you haven't, there does seem to be a big love for dragon imagery in the city of Dundee. In the city centre at Moneygate, there is a statue of a dragon, which was created by Tony Marrow in 1994. The coat of arms for the city also features two dragons, as well as the silhouette of a dragon being featured on top of the spire at St Andrew's Church. So there is a lot of dragony stuff going on throughout this city. They are all very heavily inspired by the tale that I'm about to tell you. So once there was a farmer who lived in the village of Potemptin, if I'm saying that wrong, I'm sorry, and he lived there with his nine daughters. One hot day the farmer asked the oldest daughter to take a wee walk down to the well and fetch some water. Time passed, but the daughter never returned, so he sent another daughter to go see where she had got to. And this kind of continued until the farmer had sent all nine of his daughters to the well to kind of see what was going on. Now, I know that it's a story, right? But if you have nine daughters and you're sending one and they go missing, fair enough, sending another one to go see what's going on but to send all nine seems a wee bit neglectful to me don't you think would you not just get up and go see what the hell is going on but i digress as the sun went down the farmer became worried that something sinister had happened to his daughters and he set off to find them eventually he walked the path to the well and when he got there he froze in complete horror before him at what he saw before him At the well, there was an enormous dragon who was fast asleep, but on the ground around him were the corpses of his nine daughters. Obviously filled with grief and anger, he ran back to the village where he met with his youngest daughter's boyfriend, Martin, and told him what he had saw. Martin was so angry that he gathered the villagers with the goal of killing this dragon. 
They chased the dragon across the fields and land, and when they finally gained on it, one of the villagers yelled, Strike, Martin, and so he did. He struck the dragon, fatally wounding it, and then killed it out in the field, which is now known as Craigill Gill. With the dragon's last breath, it said the rhyme. Tempted at Pittington, draggled at Dragon, stricken at Struff Martin, and killed at Martin's Stain. It said that there was a stone placed on the spot where the dragon was killed as a memorial to Martin's victory and it is supposed to still be there to this day. Apparently, if you head north of Bridgefoot, you will eventually see a Pictish monument that dates back between 400 and 850 AD and it does have carvings on it, one of which is said to be a dragon. The well where the daughters were killed was also named the Nine Maidens in their honour and a nearby church was also dedicated to St Martin in 1249. Now I have absolutely no idea if these places are still around, I couldn't find much on them if I'm being honest, but if you've ever visited any of these places and you have photographs or you just have seen them then get in touch and let me know. As well I'm really interested in the pics but I can't find a lot of reading material um, on them. I've been uh several different libraries and I just can't seem to find a lot about them so if you have any like book recommendations or source material recommendations could you fire them over to me email me them uh, dm me because I really would like to learn more about them I just find them fascinating that would be greatly appreciated now the last entity that I'm going to talk about kind of remem- reminds me of a pokemon for some reason don't ask me why I have no idea why it just gives me haunter vibes like I can just see it floating about the Scottish Highlands very much Pokemon and this entity is called the Brolican now I'm sorry again if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly but that is the best pronunciation that I can do and that I found is the Brolican and this is another one from the Highlands now this entity is very strange in terms of how it looks it doesn't have a solid form This is because it's considered to be the adolescent form of the creature that hasn't fully learned how to take a solid form yet. It has been linked to fairy folk as well as kelpies, which we have talked about before on the show, and they are basically murderous water horses, if anybody's interested. Uh, Yeah, they're lovely, honestly, lovely. But in terms of appearance, it presents itself as a dark cloud with glowing red eyes and a mouth. It can differ in size depending on age, with the younger ones measuring about two feet across and the older ones measuring two metres across. So just to picture that, it sounds very, very creepy. And if I have any Pokemon people listening, do you not think that that kind of sounds like Spiritum? Like that Pokemon Spiritum that comes out of the rock? That is what I'm picturing in my head. Or a ghastly, like a ghastly with red eyes. That's what I'm envisioning. And that's quite terrifying, but that is all that I can picture in my head when I talk about this creature. Now, the Brolican prefers to live in what would be considered lonely places. No people, nothing like that, on the outskirts of towns, that kind of thing. They'd really like to live in the shadows, but weirdly, they would rather they would rather be in barren hills than in a cave or a forest, which I would have thought would have made them easier to spot if it's out on a barren hill somewhere. It is sometimes seen by the water, which would make sense if it's related to the Kelpies, as that is where they dwell. It is able to communicate, but it is only able to say the words I and you in Scottish Gaelic. So I'm sure that a conversation with the Rollican is just an absolute hoot. As the creature gets a little older, it does kind of come into its own and it can possess other living beings. 
Due to it being shapeless, it finds it very easy to find a host and possess them. This isn't something that is just exclusive to people, it can also possess animals. When a person or an animal is possessed by the bullocken, their skin is said to darken in colour and their eyes become red and glow. The host also begins to act in a very manic and wild manner, which makes them easier to spot in like a village or something like that. In terms of who they choose to possess and why, I don't think that they have a preference. I think they just pick the weakest world and they just go for it, they wing it, see what happens. But they can't actually remain in a single host for extended periods of time because their energy is just far too intense. So the host will slowly start to decline in health and eventually they will die, which means they kind of have to move on and find another host like quite quickly. So they're kind of moving from person to person. I couldn't really find why they possess uh, human beings. I couldn't find like, I don't know if they just want to socialise, if there's a benefit to it. I don't really know, Um, but I couldn't really find anything on that, unfortunately. Now, there are ways to rid yourself of a brolican should you find yourself or a family member possessed. A ritual will have to take place and during the ritual, herbal medicine would be used accompanied by some singing and some chanting. The herbs that they would need to do this ritual are very hard to come by and sometimes they would need to enlist the help of other mythological teachers to find them, which I just found pretty cool. I just thought that was a lovely wee, a wee bit there. Once the ritual is complete and the brolican is forced from the host, it is essential to drive the entity away from the surrounding crowd because it is in this state that it becomes very, very aggressive and can put a curse on those around it. It can be scared away by bright lights and fire, but it is very important not to physically harm this entity because this can cause its family to become very, very enraged and seek revenge. Now, although the broken sounds pretty nasty and creepy and eerie, I did read a few stories that were a bit nicer and a wee bit more positive. There was a few stories saying that they have an extreme sensitivity to the cold, so, I mean, they're living in the wrong place, the Scottish Islands. It's, I mean, it's pretty cold there at all times. Uh, and they would sometimes seek shelter from villagers. If people were kind enough to let it in and sit by the fire, they would receive massive respect from the entity and be safe from any possessions or attacks in the future, which I kind of thought was nice. But let me ask you, would you let that into your house? I mean, I 100% would. I know I would, because I'm just, I'm the weird kid that would hang about with ghosts for real. Like, I would 100% rather have a ghost as a friend than a real person. So if that knocked on my door, come on in pull up a seat by the fire, but would you let that in? Like if that chapped on your door, let me know. And that brings me to the end of today's Magical Creatures. I actually really enjoyed this one. I have actually never heard of the Brolican before. I kind of heard about the Dundee Dragon and I had heard about the Cat She before, but I'd never heard of the Brolican, so I was that was really interesting to look into, just seeing something completely new and different that I'd never seen before. And the fact that it reminds me of Pokemon. Do you know, I actually, it actually might be my favourite Scottish mythological creature. The Brolican might actually be my favourite. Do you folks have any favourites? Do you have any favourite folklore tales? Any favourite folklore creatures? Let me know. But there's just so many. Like I said before, I've got a spreadsheet that has like, <laughs> I have a spreadsheet, it sounds so geeky. But I have a spreadsheet that has like everything that I've talked about marked off and everything I've not talked about and the tab for folklore is just it's enormous 
Another wee thing just before I finish up here. My dad actually brought this to my attention a week or two ago and I was actually very intrigued. He told me to look into big cats here in Scotland, which I had actually never heard of before. Like, you know you hear those stories about uh, big cats in the wild being like um, in England and all those kinds of things, um, like black panthers and stuff like that. I'd actually never heard a story like that about here, specifically here in Scotland. But he was like, no, no, there's definitely people who have seen big cats here in Scotland. So I did a wee bit of googling and actually found a load of stories from people saying that they had seen like this enormous cat in Scotland out in the wild, which then led me into other things. I'm not going to talk about it too much because I'm planning doing an episode on it. But I just wanted to mention it because if there's anybody listening who has a story about a big cat, if you've ever seen one or you have a picture of one or you just have a family story about it that you tell each other, please get in touch and let me know because I would love to uh, include it in the episode. Um, I thought it was really, really interesting. I'd never, I'd just never thought about that. And for people that aren't from Scotland, aren't even from the UK, big cats are not something that are native here. They're not, um, there is one cat that is native to Scotland that lives in the wild, which again, I'm not going to talk about too much because it's included in the episode. But we don't have big cats here. They're not really a thing. Like I know in America, you get like cougars and you get like um, bobcats and stuff, but we don't have anything like that here. So yeah, I find that really interesting. So get in touch uh, if you have anything that you would like to let me know. If you have anything that I could use in the episode, that would be great. And that brings us to the end of the episode. I really hope you enjoyed listening and that you all have an amazing weekend, whatever you're doing. I actually have a tattoo appointment at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, have a nice weekend, everybody. I hope you have fun doing whatever you're doing. I hope the weather's okay. I am back to normal scheduling, so I will see you all on Tuesday. Stay weird, stay scared. Bye, folks. (laughs)